possible maybe to describe with words just how amazing the grace of God is. And uh, my prayer is that all of us would uh, be opened to receive that incredible grace. Today, any moment it's available, the Bible says salvation is available today. Today is the day of salvation. You guys hanging in there in the Sermon on the Mount? We are on the finished line here. We're getting close. We have, uh, this will be uh, four, three Sundays after this that we are in the Sermon on the Mount. And, um, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount is uh, an important part of what I think God is revealing to us. And uh, my prayer is that you wouldn't just see it as um, something that Jesus said somewhere out there, but that he is speaking to you and to I. And it's relevant for our day, our time. You know, the, the story of the Bible is a, is a story of rescue. It's God's big story of the rescue of humanity, of this world. Uh, we live in a in a dark world, the Bible tells us it began with uh, a rebellion and disobedience against God and darkness came into our world and, and we see it all around us. And uh, once in a while someone will ask me, Ben, why, why aren't you preaching about the things sometimes happening in our culture and our world around us? And um, as I think about that, I think every Sunday we address those issues, but in a way that... Um, gets to the heart of the issues sometimes. So we read the paper and we read about the violence of people, mass shootings, our hearts are grieved as we see that. We see broken families, relationships, marriages, the disintegration of the family and our society. We see so many things of corruption and greed and we see political discourse and we wonder where is God? And all of that. <laughs> you ever wonder that? And yet the Bible tells us that God is in the midst of a rescue plan. And that his plan culminated with Jesus coming into this world. And that he came to die on the cross to reverse the cur curse. To break the curse. To bring about a new kingdom. A new reality. Where we're no longer marked by death and destruction. But by life and love and goodness and that's why Jesus rose again from the dead conquering it once for all to guarantee life to every person who would receive him and so when we look at that plan that God has unfolded in front of us and as we go through the Sermon on the Mount we begin to realize that God's plan through Jesus is ultimately to transform the human heart and so when we think about any of the ills any of the difficulties of what's happening in our society, in our world, and those people around us. We have to remember that Jesus is saying the solution is not more laws or forcing people or making people do certain things. It's, it's the transformation of the human heart. And after Jesus rose from the grave and he was with his disciples and he said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to come back, but I have... I have a mission, I have a commission that I have for you to be part of what I want to do in the world. And we call this the Great Commission. He said, go. He 
Make disciples of all people everywhere. Make disciples. Teach, baptizing them, which we're going to do today. <laughs> There's some people who are going to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And so the Sermon on the Mount is this invitation to discipleship, to transformation, the power of God and his kingdom being worked out in the human heart, transforming us and making us new. And so that is the plan of God, the rescue plan of God. And so what we're doing in the Sermon on the Mount is understanding the transformation that God wants to do in our lives. And then through us to bring about that transformation in other people's lives as we share the good news of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning as we read in uh, Matthew chapter 7? And we only have two verses this morning. But these are the beginning verses of the conclusion of Jesus' sermon on the mount. And here's what he says in verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. You may be seated. So this summer, um, my brothers and I decided to go on a camping excursion and we uh, entered the Black Elk Wilderness area. But leading up to that time, uh, we had a lot of discussions about what to bring, right? Because we were going to sleep out uh, outside and so you're trying to figure out, you're taking an inventory of what you need when you go into that place and so do you bring the toilet paper or not right because <laughs> you only have so much room and so much space that you can carry and so it's interesting as you think about that in life and you who are young parents you get this every day when you leave your house with your kids you're thinking what do I need to bring right not just for myself but for them right so we're always taking inventories of what we're carrying what we're bringing with us and it's good to do that but Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is inviting us to take an inventory. Now, it's not with physical things that you can see, but taking an inventory of our hearts. Because whether you realize it or not, you are carrying things around inside your heart, <laughs> inside your life, that no one else can see, but you're carrying them around. All of us are. And so when Jesus addresses the human condition, he invites us to not look out side at other people but to look at our own hearts and our own lives and so he invites us to take an inventory of our hearts so if we look back on the Sermon on the Mount what are some things that he asks us to take a look at are we carrying anger do we carry lusts of broken relationships broken promises from our words do we have hatred or desire for revenge in our hearts towards others who've hurt us do we have a desire to perform and impress people, to be noticed by what we do? Do we carry worry or anxiety or fear in our hearts? Do we have in our hearts a, a treasuring, a love of material things, possessions? Do we carry in our hearts a judgmental, critical, prideful spirit towards others? And so this is the hard work that Jesus asks us to do and makes us uncomfortable right because as we look inside we begin to see some of the things that we carry you know the contrasts that 
Jesus gives us is in this world, people just focus on the external things, on performance. But the kingdom of God is about the transformation of the heart, the inner person, the inner being of every single human being. And so this is what Jesus is after. This is what God is after. This is what he is saving in each of us. And part of that is the transformation of our desires, the transformation of what we love, of what we believe will ultimately satisfy us and fulfill us. Now I have three sons and they tell me often that they love candy, okay? And they ask for candy often. In fact, one of my sons told me when he moves out of the house, he's gonna eat candy every day. <laughs> I said, good, you, you do that. <laughs> but as long as you live in my house, you only get so much candy, right? And, uh, and it's in moderation. And I'm also gonna make you eat vegetables. And, uh, but here's the challenge as a parent, as a father who loves my son is, I pray that one day he will not only force vegetables down, but one day he might even grow to like vegetables and even want vegetables. Because I know as a father that if he desires to eat healthy, it will produce good things in his life. His life will be blessed and, and, and better if he eats that way. And so that's kind of a silly uh, example, but it points to the reality that our Father in heaven who made us, who knew you before the creation of the world, who, who knew you as you were conceived and as you grew and as he knows your whole story, that he knows ultimately what's best for you. And those things that you desire, those things you want and those things you love might not ultimately be the best for you. And so seeing from the Father's perspective, his love for us, his desire for us to be fulfilled and satisfied. And I've told you this over and over that when you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to bless. <laughs> he came to save. And that's so important to understand the goodness of our God. And so as we go into this, these verses, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. And so he's inviting us to enter a certain way. But the challenge is there's options here. There's two options. There's the narrow way, but there's also the wide and broad way. And so I want to talk about that first before we talk about the narrow way. We live in a world that um, looks at the condition of the human heart and it doesn't want to address these issues. And so when Jesus talks about the Broadway in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, if we look back at what he has said, I think he's referring to all these human issues, these core human issues that cause so much harm in our world. And the Broadway is to look at those and to justify them, to justify our own sin, to say, my anger problem's not that bad. My lust doesn't hurt anyone. My broken relationships are my own issue. No one else's. We begin to think we're justified in wanting to take revenge against others. And so Jesus shows us that the way most people live is they don't take the time to really look at their own hearts because they're out looking at everyone else or performing in such a way that they feel like they're doing great, that everything is good. And Jesus warns us that though this way seems easy, though this way may seem right, the end is destruction. I think the broad road is as you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it has to do with our own self 
work, our own self-help, our own self-righteousness, our own performance, what we can do on our own. And this is what the world is all about, right? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Make it happen. Um, Do all the good religious things on the outside. But don't look too deep on the inside. Don't address the real issues of the heart. And so we see that that's the easy way. That's the way most people go. Most people aren't really reflecting deeply on the inside. They're just getting by. They're just making things happen on their own. And so the broad road is all about being noticed, performing for others. I did an internship in in Mexico City. And while I was there, um, you know, as an American, I always enjoyed seeing other Americans. And so I ran into another guy who was about my age at that time. And and so uh, we started talking and his story was very similar to mine. He had been a son of missionaries like me, but he had grown up in Mexico. I grew up in Venezuela. So we had a lot in common and so we started talking about things, but um, our stories diverged on a really important point. I found out that he had no desire to follow Jesus. In fact, he rejected everything that he thought of Christianity. And I asked him, how did he get there? And he told me about the disillusionment he experienced as a son of missionaries, but seeing that his parents did a lot of good things on the outside, but on the inside their home was a mess. And there was abuse and there was, there was destructive behaviors and there was all kinds of things and he saw that and it, it created a great disillusionment in his heart. And I thought, you know, isn't that the reality of what Jesus is talking about here? How easy the way it is to look good on the outside, say I'm doing all these good things, but never really to be transformed by the power of God. And I had the opportunity to share with him my story of my struggles and how I've seen the grace of God work in such a way to bring about internal transformation. It's not just about what you do on the outside, but God can truly bring about what's good and right and what's, what brings joy in your life. And so I got an opportunity to share about Jesus and what he can do. And so this is the reality as much disappointment and disillusionment in the world has to do with outward performance, outward religion, but not the true power of the kingdom. The wide road maybe is the treasuring of wealth and material possessions, consumerism, selfishness, and greed, because that's just what everyone's doing. That's what the whole world is after and running after. The wide road, if Jesus talked about the judgment of others and thinking somehow I'm arrived and everyone else has the problem and so just seeing the problems of others and being judgmental, critical, condemning of others. This is the way of the world. (laughs) This is what we see all around us. And Jesus is saying everyone kind of goes that way, right? But there is another way. There's another way that is being opened up for you and all of humanity. And it's a small way. It's a narrow road. Now, as I looked at this in the Greek, I realized that this word narrow literally has the connotation of being pressed or difficult. And I, and I struggled with that. What is Jesus talking about? What's he, what's he saying that is so difficult about following him? And so then I, I started to think about it. And as you look at this stuff, this kind of helped me as I thought about going on a trip and what you need to bring on that trip. And so if I was going on a camping trip and I got my pad and I got my 
food. Oh, and then I got my, my backpack and then my trusty TV just in case. <laughs> right? Right? Okay. So I'm ready, right? <laughs> so I'm carrying all this stuff and I'm ready for whatever comes my way, okay? And then as I thought about it, and I thought about this narrow, difficult way, often when I hike up here in the Black Hills, there's these boulders, right? And there's this path that will go right in between two boulders. And you kind of have to squeeze your way through. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about. And let's say I went out and I was going to go camping and I had my stuff and I was carrying it all. And then someone said, you know, if you go right through that path that goes between those two boulders, you know, on the other side, there's this beautiful mansion, this incredible house. And the owners there are, are, are incredibly hospitable. In fact, they welcome any weary traveler and they have a meal prepared for you of steak and potatoes and all kinds of good things to eat. And they have a comfortable bed for you to sleep in. And it's an incredible place. And here I am standing there and I, I hear that that's there, but I'm not sure about it. But to get through, I would have to put down some of this stuff. I would have to leave it behind. And that might be difficult, right? So we don't carry stuff that people can see, but some of us in this room have anger. Some have lust. Some have worry or anxiety. Some may have a spirit of pride and judgmentalness on others. And so the invitation of Jesus to go through that narrow way requires that you put down some of that stuff. You leave it behind. And then as you walk through that narrow way, you begin to experience and see that on the other side there is that mansion, that beautiful place. And you are filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. You see... I think when Jesus is talking here, he's talking about the reality that our hearts are going to be filled with something. And in order to fill it with the things that God wants to give you, you have to let go of some things that you've been carrying around. There's some things in the human heart that need to be given up in order to receive the filling of what God wants to do. He wants to bless. <laughs> he wants to save. He wants to do that transforming work in our hearts. But we have to make room. We have to make room. And so, as we lay down that stuff, we begin to experience the grace of God. Now, when we talk about grace, a lot of times we miss out on the costly, difficult, narrow part of grace. I appreciate so much what Bonhoeffer has said about grace and the cost of discipleship. He said, costly grace is the treasure hidden in the fields. Remember Jesus told that story that a man sold all his possessions because he found a treasure that outweighed everything else. It's for the sake of it that man will go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price which the merchant will buy by selling all of his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. You see, costly grace is the gospel which we seek and which we find again and again. It's the gift which must be asked for. It's the door 
at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it, costs, it calls us to follow. <laughs> we have to leave some things behind. And it's grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It's costly because it costs man, a man his life. And it's grace because it gives man his only true life. It's costly because it condemns sin. And it's grace because it justifies the sinner. And above all, it's costly because it costs God the life of his son. You were bought with a price. And it's what costs God so much, it cannot be cheap for us. And all is grace because God did not consider his son too much of a price to pay for our lives. Rather, he delivered him up. And costly grace is the incarnation of God. You see, Jesus coming into this world reveals the most beautiful picture of what grace is. <laughs> that God in his love and his goodness was willing to pay a price to make it possible for us to experience the abundant life, the good life, what will truly fulfill us, what will truly bring about the satisfaction in our lives. But to receive it, we have to leave some things behind. In fact, if you look at Jesus in the Gospels, there's a fascinating thing that you will observe. Every person that Jesus encountered, he asked them to leave something behind. Think about it. Think about the woman at the well. As she encountered Jesus and she saw the life that he had and he challenged her with the relationships that she had with these men and he asked her to leave those behind and to follow him. And think about the rich young ruler who, who had all these things and all this wealth and yet Jesus said, you lack one thing. Leave your wealth behind and come and follow me. Think about Zacchaeus who had a, a, a secure job as a tax collector and had a, a good thing going for him financially, but he was miserable and, and he encountered Jesus and, and Jesus said, you need to give back what you've stolen and then come and follow me. You see, for each person, it was a different issue, but it was the heart issue in each person. And I don't know your heart issue, but God does. <laughs> and you know it, and he will speak to you. He will speak to me, and he calls us. And what's so beautiful about each of those encounters with Jesus, think about the woman caught in adultery. None of them felt condemned or judged by Jesus. Rather, they felt loved. They knew they were forgiven. They knew that he had their best interest in mind. And he called them to leave something behind and follow him. You see, this is the gospel. This is the good news of God's work on our behalf. He makes possible what we could not do on our own. And he invites us to die with him. And that's what baptism is all about when we get... When those people get baptized this afternoon, what they're saying is, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer am identified by my sin and those things that are gripping, that I'm carrying around. Rather, I'm putting those aside. And when I come back out of the water, I'm identifying with the resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus has brought about the transformation of my being. I am now a new person in him. This is the gospel. This is why Jesus came, to make us a new people, a brand new creation in Christ. So there's only one entrance, Jesus says, because he says there's only one gate that leads to life. 
And so the invitation is, will we trust Jesus? <laughs> will we believe what he has said? He told his disciples that in my father's house, there's many rooms. <laughs> there's a mansion waiting for his followers. There's a place of blessing. There's a place of beauty. There's a place of fulfillment. There's a place of glory. But there's only one way to it. There's only one way to experience it, and it's through Jesus. John 10 says, Jesus said very clearly about this. He said, very truly, I tell you Pharisees. And the Pharisees are on that broad road. They seem to have it all together on the outside. But Jesus said on the inside, there's, there's brokenness, there's nastiness that needs to be dealt with. He says, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the gates is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. And that's my prayer for each of us is that we would hear the voice of Jesus. He knows your name. He calls to you. He invites you. He loves you. He's made a way for you to experience the life that he has for you. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought them out on his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> to hear and know the voice of Jesus. And they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And this is why the gate is narrow. Because Many hear, but few understand. Few understand. And only the Holy Spirit, and I believe He's working in each of our lives, can open our hearts and open our eyes to truly understand, to truly hear what Jesus is inviting to us. And therefore, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. <laughs> he is the way. He is the gate. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so the question for us this morning, I think there's two. If you're here and you have not gone through the gates, if you have not received Jesus and his life, Know today that he is calling your voice. <laughs> He's calling your name. He knows who you are. And he longs for you to be fulfilled and satisfied and made whole and complete. He wants to transform your inner being to be the kind of person that can experience the life of God. And so the Bible invites you today to hear his voice, to respond in faith, to believe in Jesus to know that he paid for your sin he died and he rose again and you can be free you can be free I also believe Jesus is speaking to those who are here this morning who maybe know Jesus have a relationship but you've picked up some other stuff along the way because salvation is what Jesus did for us at the moment of the cross and when we believe but it's also a process what we call sanctification where we're being saved and that's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. It's about this salvation process where God is, is doing away with the old and creating new people that will be fully realized in the resurrection. And so today maybe you've picked up some stuff and you're trying to fit through the gate with your things and you just need to let it go.
You need to let go of those things you're carrying in your heart and receive the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus again today. And believe that he is life and that he has that life for you. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on up. Lord, you know the stories of every person here. You know what they've been carrying around in their hearts. You know the darkness that is knocking on their doors. But Lord, we believe you are victorious. Your light, your truth, your grace is stronger, more powerful, greater than anything that could come against us. And so Lord, I believe that today you want to continue that transforming work in every person here. And I pray that Lord, we would hear your voice, that sweet, gentle, strong, powerful voice that calls to us, that knows our name, that invites us to life. And so God, help us. Give us the grace to respond today. Amen.